Blog Talk Radio. And, and walking through the parking lot, 
Uh, very few people are outside. Most people in their cars and their RVs and, and everything. Now, that all being said, uh, Kentucky did what they had to do. Uh, in my, my write-up of the game, I understand at Charlotte, they're only in their third year being an FBS school. Uh, but this is a game that, that this is the game Kentucky needed. Uh, for the first time, they actually looked like they were playing for the full 60 minutes. Uh, with Drew Barker and his first start, he looked really comfortable. Uh, I don't know if it was the wind, uh, the weather was a factor uh, with some of the play calling, but uh, he made a lot of throws to keep drives alive. Uh, but they really relied on the running game for 415 yards. Boom uh, broke through for a lot. JoJo Kemp, uh, who we know has had some big, big games uh, for Kentucky in the past, uh, they pounded the rock a little bit. Uh, and even King come off the bench for, for 90 yards. So it was, it was a really, really good game. The defense played solid. Um, again, I know the opponent, but this is what you wanted to see, kind of getting things right for the Louisville game. Uh, because with Louisville uh, losing against Pittsburgh and, and still, as of today, not really knowing who their quarterback is going to be, I think that on the Kentucky side – We've got a lot more questions answered than we have unanswered questions. On Louisville side, there's still a lot. They're still trying to figure out their identity, you know, and there's only one game left in the season. So uh, I'm feeling better about the Louisville game than I was uh, before the Charlotte game. We had Mark Story on last week from the Lexington Herald Leader, and that's specifically what, what I asked him. I said, what kind of blowout would it take for us to be to even entertain thoughts that things were even the, trying to be turned around for Louisville, you know? And and that's what. And of course, he said, you know, with Charlotte, that's not really going to fan base, you know, positive because you know it is that opponent. That's. I was trying to get at with you know, a margin of victory, give me something to maybe think people would at least have a little bit of hope that things were right. Beating them by 48 is, is kind of what was needed to at least make you think, hey, they got a shot. Maybe they can carry this over. Uh, you know, if it had been even, even a three-touchdown margin of victory, that might still leave some doubt. It was convincing, uh, you know, blowout it, fashion it, quickly. So it, it could have been. I mean, won. I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying that, that, you know, they got everything right, but at least you beat them by 48 like you should, beat them like you should have beat Eastern, beat them like you should have beat Louisiana. First blowout win that they've had on been on the good side of all season. So then you can at least say, well, you got a little something going heading into the Louisville game. Now, I mean, the competition will be better facing Louisville. I mean, they're six and five, like you said, but it's still going to be a step up again, and you're going to have to match it. You're going to have to bring it. And you're going to have to be organized and, and play with passion and the whole nine. But 
at least they just did it their last time out for the first time in ages. Yeah, they they looked really really good. Uh, again, it was it was the weather I think played a factor, but uh, not being an expert on uh, you know football strategy, it looked like they had kind of scaled back the playbook a little bit, particularly on offense for uh, Barker. The formations weren't as exotic as they had been. Um, and he was making some throws, a couple of deep ones, uh, but mostly intermediate throws to kind of keep the keep the chains moving and, and really build up his confidence. So I feel very good heading into Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, here we are again, one win away. This is the first win, the win against Charlotte, is the first win um, for Coach Stoops. Since his first year, uh, I can't remember the out of conference opponent, but it was somebody they, you know, they beat up on, which got him his second win in his first year for them to go two and ten. They won his first game, and then he had a win in the second half. Went zero for six in the second half of last year, and then we saw how the second half of this season was going after starting four and two. So this is the first win in the second half of the season since the 2013 season. For Mark Stoops in the UK, so that's that's good. I mean, you didn't you didn't go oh for two years in a row, you know, after we saw the the slide last year after the five and one start, and and that's good uh, because like we were saying, talking to Mark Story last week, and I actually got a chance to to talk with him pretty extensively before the game, and we went into a little bit more in depth about that, and this is what we wanted to see. This is. Uh, Finally, something, a, a shimmer of hope. And, again, you take the opponent into consideration, uh, but they they look good. So there's a, a little bit of momentum heading into the last game uh, of the season. Yeah. And you uh, you tweeted me from the box. You said you were up in there with all kind of Harlan County people, uh, in addition to Freddie Maggard. Did you – Happen to know who some of them may have been. I don't know if I might know them. Or... Oh my it's goodness! Uh, one of the guys' name. I, I, I mean, I, obviously, I can see their faces now, and I can't remember. But uh, yet, they were from Harlan County, and uh, they and Freddie knew some of the common people. And uh, they, uh, the 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 younger son, it was a father and son, and the son. I think had heard of you or your family or something. I said that's why I said I was surrounded by uh, Harlan County folks because I actually uh, there was some room in the box and I actually got upgraded. So I was sitting on the front row, a couple of seats down from uh, Freddie uh, Maggard and uh, uh, Oscar Combs. So I, I had some pretty, I had a pretty good uh, view of the game there. Uh, Man, yeah, everywhere, everywhere I go. Yeah, every, everywhere I go, though, Harlan County is getting a shout-out. You know, I made it 30 years uh, not even knowing where Harlan County was. Now, everywhere I turn, I'm getting Harlan County people messing with me. It, 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 it's got to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just broadening out, you know, learning more about your state. You know, the other 119 counties besides, well, the other 118 counties besides Jefferson, 
and Fayette that you know well. So you just you just broaden your horizons, you know. Said, didn't even know where, where I, my little county was at, and now you now you know. Harlan County yeah. is kind of like UK as a whole. You always run into UK fans no matter where you are. Big Blue Nation is everywhere. Harlan County is kind of like that. It's tons of people from home that live down here. Uh, are you running into somebody? Oh, I live in Harlan. I worked in Harlan. I live in Cumberland. Oh, I got family in Lynch. The same kind of thing is working with, with the Harlan County dynamic. And you were just able to, to bask in the glow of it, the ambiance of it, up in the box of the new CWS. Speaking of Harlan County, you know, we hadn't talked about it in a while. Our man Jordan Smith on The Voice from Harlan is still doing work. He's in the top ten, hasn't come close to being voted off. He's blowing it away. He's killing it every time he performs. And, I mean, he's got to be one of the favorites to, to win the thing because he's bringing it every week. He doesn't mess up, doesn't forget the words, doesn't, you know, have a crack in his voice, nothing. You know, no matter what type of song he sings, sung a kind of acapella, kind of gospel song the week before last. Uh, he does some Adele. He does some Beyonce, whatever. He twists his mind to singing. He is killing it every single time. And, you know, just another example. You know, And, and he got he, – he survived in the band last night, so Harlan County ain't going nowhere. He'll be there again next week. Had to make sure we mentioned that. Yeah, and, and anytime you can see someone from Kentucky that's doing well, uh, wherever they're from in the Commonwealth, you definitely want to see that because too often uh, when you see Kentucky being portrayed, it's 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 somebody backwards, barely making it, or, or you know whatnot, things like that. So anytime you see somebody from Kentucky doing well, that's a good thing for everybody. Absolutely. And one more thing too, we hadn't uh, we hadn't given you know Coach Matthew Mitchell and the Lady Cats, UK Who Cats. A lot of love. We'll talk soccer and volleyball. Basketball season just starting. But uh, Coach Mitchell and company are undefeated as well. They took care of Eastern Michigan today, 89-67. to Michaela Epps, daughter Anthony Epps, of course, did her thing. Macy Morris, a freshman. Here we go. We got Harlan County ties again. She was uh, Miss Basketball in the state. She's from Bell County, which is the county next to Harlan County where Middlesbrough and all that is. But her dad, Lewis Morris, is from Harlan County. He coaches Bell County now uh, basketball. But Macy, balling today, she had a career-high 17 points, uh, a career-high five three-pointers, five of six from downtown, uh, and played a key role in the win today for the Lady Cats. So, Definitely had to mention that as well. So just another way to work in Harlan County due to her pops being from Harlan County. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, you know, all Harlan everything. I guess you all can do that. <laughs> I just want – I didn't want to forget is all I'm saying. And, she, I mean, it was an afternoon game. I was listening to it at work. You know, it was tipped off at, at noon. Uh, Gil Smith tweeted out that there were still almost 5,000 at Memorial Coliseum today for the game. On a Wednesday, you know, some people may have been off from work and school, which, you know, helped out. But it's still a Wednesday, 12 o'clock game. And you had a good crowd in the Coliseum. And I just had to give Macy a shout-out. That's, that's all. I know you I know you roll your eyes, 
and, and, and stuff like that. But I think I'm done with that for now. We can we can move on to other stuff. All right, awesome. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about Louisville. They're five and six, lost the pit, got you know stuff going on. Um, I tweeted it out a few minutes before we came on. Boom Williams uh, is a big game away. It would take a big game, but it's not out of real possibility uh, of having a thousand yard season, which is very surprising. Um. Considering he's missed three games, he's played nine games. Louisville game will be his tenth, and he's got 818 yards rushing. Now it would it would take a heck of a day, but uh, if he was to go for 182 yards against the Cardinals, that would give him a thousand yards rushing in ten games played. So uh, flat out 100 yard a game average. He's up in you know 90 and change now, going into this game. Uh-oh. It, it, it takes some doing, but it's not out of the room possibility. You know, he, he's a home run type guy. Cut down those negative runs where he wants to backpedal and, you know, go straight in to the hole or go down if there's nothing there. I mean, stranger things have happened than, boom, going for 182 in a rivalry game against the Cards. And, and that's what it's going to take, uh, you know, the the best friend of any quarterback, particularly a young quarterback, is a, a solid running game. And uh, if the Cats are able to kind of dictate that, and, and the the biggest takeaway I had uh, of the game is they, the Cats uh, against Charlotte, they were winning the uh, time of possession. I mean, Charlotte only had the ball for three minutes in the first quarter. I mean, that, that's the kind of uh, – what running the ball does for you and, and converting third downs, which they did at a fairly good rate. So uh, if they can do that, I would definitely love to be able to do the one-two punch uh, with Boom and, and, and JoJo and let those guys uh, bring it on home. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you say things, the old cliche, throw the records out when it's a rivalry game. Uh, we think Kentucky – uh, vastly inferior Kentucky teams give Tennessee teams all they wanted in the final game of the season in the rivalry game when it used to be Tennessee. Uh, you know, crazy type things happen in all these rivalry games, interstate rivalries at the end of the season. You know, why they call Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Bedlam because Bedlam happens. Uh, you, you know, Auburn and Alabama, the crazy ways that Auburn has won some of those games, even when Auburn is good, when they look like they were just uh, at the end of their rope, and then next thing you know, they pulled out victories. So, stranger things have happened. Thankfully, they got a, a, a convincing win over Charlotte, even though it is Charlotte still. They could have went out and, you know, bumbled, stumbled around and, and nearly lost. And with the way they've struggled these past five games with the way that all of us who were old enough to know what same old Kentucky is, would it have shocked us if they had come out and struggled? Would it have shocked us if this game was closer than it should have been? I mean, it wouldn't have shocked me. I don't know. What about you? No. no and that's the thing, kind of pregame, we were talking uh, 
uh, in the media area, it was, okay, were there going to be more people at Rupp the night before or going to be at Commonwealth? That was a discussion. Uh, Also, uh, the the discussion is, what are are we going to see? And and that was uh, a big thing because uh, there was just so much disappointment with the loss to Vandy, uh, you know, it's no secret. I mean, I mean, Freddie Maggard, Maggard, longtime Kentucky football guy, said this is that was one of the the worst games as far as what's going on. It was beyond same old Kentucky. So it was a question of what was the carryover going to be moving forward. Were they going to be able to take care of business? Because, honestly, as we saw against Eastern earlier in the season, against Lafayette, uh, we don't always take care of business. And that's the kind of the, the, the Kentucky thing is we don't always – yeah, we have losing streaks to, to Tennessee and to Florida and, and all that. But it's, it's these little games, these, these second-tier SEC teams or these other teams because, uh, you know, Ohio came in, in here in, in Commonwealth Stadium and won one year uh, as kind of a small school. So we have dropped these games before. So it was good to see them come out with some fire. Uh, even though the crowd was small, they did what they had to do. Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing. You mentioned the Ohio game, which is just another example. Uh, my mind goes to, uh, I want to say, it was a directional school. I want to say Northeast Louisiana or something like that. A few years back, same thing, walked in the Commonwealth, walked out with a win. So, you know, you, you can't help but entertain those thoughts that as as bad as it's been, you know, the blowout losses to Mississippi State, Tennessee, Georgia, then just to, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, leg, knee, quad, chin, elbow against Vanderbilt, you know, you couldn't. Not well. Here we go. There's a bunch of double negatives, triple negatives, and, and you're about to start teaching English. I apologize. You could not think about them maybe struggling or flubbing up against Charlotte. You just you just had to let that enter into your mind based on track record. Yeah, and it's it's tough to to say that, but that's what you learn to expect. You know, uh, Kentucky football fans. Uh, are just some of the most diehard fans out there. I mean, yes, the crowd this this past Saturday was small, but at the beginning of the year, on on faith and hope and all these good things, it, it was jam packed, and it had been jam packed until the losing streak. So, uh, you just want to. I would love to see a win on Saturday to keep the momentum with Coach Stoops. To give the seniors that have that have really uh, come in, uh, you know, under some transition and, and stayed and fought it out to see them go out with a win, but uh, the fans deserve a bowl game for all of the time and heart and soul they've put in. Uh, they deserve a bowl game, dude. To be honest with you. Yeah, and we had Derek Ramsey on last week, and I think. My dad's buddy Tom asked him what was it like beating Penn State, and Derek said, "I mean, you know, we knew we were going to." He said, "This was more for the fans." 
And that just stood out to me because that was the culture that you wanted around the team. That's what Kentucky football is trying to continue to, to get to and maintain for a, an extended period of time. We've seen flashes of it for a couple of years here and there. But he said, you know, they lost a close one the previous year. We knew we had them the following year, that it wasn't a matter of if we were going to win, it was a matter of how much. And he was more, you know, happy to see the fans happy. So, <laughs> and that, I mean, that is, was really telling. Him thinking that as a young, two, 20, 21-year-old player, and that was his mindset. And and that is when you look at it, uh, you know, kind of segueing a little bit to basketball. You know, last night against Boston, the Cats did not look sharp for the first part of the game. You know, Boston was hanging around and they were making plays. But, you know, from what I saw on Twitter, you know, uh, we're both kind of on Twitter during the games. The fans have finally, yes, there was some griping, but they understand, you know, last year's team, uh, Boston played even. You know, Ole Miss came and, and, and took them to overtime. So the, the expectation is they may not look great for 40 minutes a night now, but you know what the end result is going to be. Whereas on the flip side with Kentucky football, you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. You're, you're waiting for, oh, no, here we go again. You're, 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 you're waiting for it. Even the most optimistic people, and I think I'm pretty fairly optimistic, you're still waiting on how are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Even though Stoops and company outside of this Vanderbilt game have really shown that's not the case. Uh, you, but you're still waiting for it because that is what you've been conditioned to look for. Yeah, and I even saw it. A, well, I, I kind of saw it like you, and I kind of didn't with the Boston game last night because we're definitely going to segue to basketball for sure. Well, well, they did let Boston hang around after jumping out ten to nothing. They let them right back in the game, and next thing you know, it's ten to nine. You know, um, in route to going up ten to nothing. You know, this was the intensity that you saw, the sharpness that you saw, that really never occurred against Wright State. I'm not one that's like, oh, that's hard to watch, oh, this is, or or complaining about, you know, that type of stuff, but, or this was a boring game. But the Wright State game was kind of just, eh, for the whole, the whole 40 minutes. And when you look at Boston, it, compared to that, it was, a, to me, a step in the right direction. I mean, they came out, punched them in the mouth, didn't sustain it, and then it's a game all the way, you know, to the first, to halftime, you know, you go on a flurry to go into the half up seven, uh, and then they're able to pull away on into the second half, but I don't know, it was a little better to me than it was right thing was just kind of blah the whole time. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is uh, it, Cal schedules these teams. He's He's got a plan in mind. And when you look at, you know, Wright State and, and Boston, some of these schools, they play different styles. 
they are going to run uh, offenses that Kentucky will see later on, uh, you know, teams that can shoot the three real well, that uh, communicate on offense and defense real well. So you use these games to hone your skills for down the road. I totally understand that. You know, and everybody talks about, you know, teams playing down to the competition. When you have young teams, which we typically have had, that is what you get. They see Duke, they are, you get it for 40 minutes because it's Duke. They see Wright State and Boston, you know, who are these guys? And I don't knock those young guys. That's just human nature. You know, you you get ranked number one, then Boston comes to town, and you think that these teams are going to roll over. And they and they're not. You know, these uh junior senior uh latent teams that have been through some things on their own, they're not gonna roll over for you. And that is a growing process for these youngsters, uh, that they need to see that. And I'm glad that we do have games like that that aren't necessarily cupcake games. I don't know how much you get out of a forty point blowout, you know, if you're playing certain teams. But uh, Cal has a lot of film they can look at for the Boston game and say, hey, we have to get better on this. We've got to communicate better on that. Uh, You know, he can still have their attention with these games. And you made the point of, you know, Boston was an older team. These these are veteran teams that they're playing. Uh, And, you know, Kentucky is young. And I think it might have been John Pelfrey on the broadcast, you know, saying this is the first time that some of these guys have seen teams that are as disciplined, as well coached, stick to their game plan, uh, you know, don't get rattled, don't get, you know, thrown off. And so now, you know, Kentucky's got to learn how to, the young guys have to learn how to do this at this level. Uh, and this playing them, playing like you said, playing these teams will, Help them to develop that. Uh, we all knew going in. You know, all you heard the scouting report. You know they love to shoot. Boston loves to shoot threes. Kentucky's gonna have to guard. They'll have to extend. And yet, no doubt, they knew that. But it's still like, as as youngsters, various stages of kids have to sometimes learn the hard way. Uh, they. You know, they start popping threes, and then it's a game, and, oh, okay, well, well, we do have to get out on these guys. We we have to get a hand up. We have to stay in front of them. We can't go under screens with Jamal Murray. And even Dominique Hawkins, who got in for a minute, went under a screen, gave him a three, and got jerked right back to the bench. So, it, <laughs> you know all this going into the game, and then, you know, this stuff happens that you were forewarned about, and then you're like, oh, oh, okay. And another thing, too, Oscar Combs, I was listening to the pregame show, him and, him and Buzz Baker, you know, people kind of getting upset or wondering where the, the blowout is, why can't you blow them out all the time. Oscar said, look, he said, they're not robots. He said, you, we all want them to go 110% every play of every game. He said, nobody does that. We None of us do that. We say it, but none of us do it. He said, just like in our lives, there's good days, there's bad days, there's average days. He said the same thing's going to happen with this team. They'll have good days, great days, bad days, average 
as they work toward getting where they want to be come tournament time. Exactly. And I, I tell folks this, uh, not to, as a humble brag or to toot my own horn, but when I cover the games, I get there early, you know, and I, and I stay late, you know, and, and after the, the players have given. And when you see them in that, more than just playing basketball, you realize they are just in, you know, here we are, I am, I'm going to put myself in this, almost 40, they're kids. I mean, this is, I mean, that's the thing is I would rather have them be locked in for six games in March and April. I I don't, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape if there's lapses in games like this. I'm I'm okay with that because with all everything we said, uh, you know, Mr. Simons, that kind of stuff. You know, they still won by twenty. Yeah. But what? But what we're looking at is like, just like you said, you, you how to get how to get over a screen, and, and Cameron Mills is, is good uh, when he talks about this, and when he talks about uh, Coach Patino. Are you fake hustling? You can be running <laughs> around and sweating and diving. But if you're not using your head, it's just wasted effort. You know, there, the the one thing that I look at that the, the guys need to learn from Tyler Eulis is how not to get screened. Mm-hmm. Tyler Eulis fights over screens like it's his job. I mean, it, it, you, you rarely see him screened off. And like in the Duke game, when there was that pick-and-roll situation, he rolled and he picked off that pass in the lane. Yeah. These young guys have to know that. And yes, they played on AAU. Yes, they played some of these competitions. But this is a day in, day out situation. And on top of that, they have to understand what the Kentucky jersey means. When you have a team come into Rupp Arena, we joke about it, but how many times have we seen a random person on a random team have a career night in Rupp Arena against the Cats? Even if the team doesn't win, we always see a guy just go off. The Crispins. You know, Jason Williams in <laughs> Florida had an incredible – I mean, you, you can rattle them off, and people are like, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Teams want to beat you. People can say all they want to, but teams, when you when you see it, when, when Duke loses, Kentucky loses, North Carolina, teams storm the court. Why? Because they're good. You want to beat those teams. When, when Kentucky and, and, and Duke, when they travel, those gyms are sold out. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet of the other 13 teams in the SEC last year, I would say, at least eight or nine, their attendance high is when Kentucky came to town. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 so you have to understand, here you are, Jamal Murray, Isaiah Briscoe, Scott Scott your number one recruit. You're going against guys, and we all know these are competitors. Even though they're at smaller schools, they've heard about you. They see you on ESPN. You're going to be the number one pick. You're draft stock. They are going to. They are not going to let up. They are not going to quit fighting. 
And, and you saw that last night against Boston. They never let up. So, and, and, and for my money, I'm, I'm getting in my way back machine. That's what sets the 95-96 team, Kentucky team, apart from the others. They went out and they made teams quit. They, 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 they came out and they made them quit. That's the difference between that. I think for me, that's what separates them among uh, the other great teams that I've seen. They made teams quit. Yeah. Even though people knew, hey, Kentucky's coming to town or we got to go to – they made them quit. <laughs> they started off at a 10 and they played every game at a 10. Yeah. And, and and like you're saying about Oscar Combs, that was the one team I've ever seen do that on a collegiate level. It just so happened that was the same year the Bulls did the same thing in the NBA. You know, they talk about the NBA being a, a, a marathon. But that season, Michael Jordan and the Bulls played every game, all 82 regular season games, as if they were playoff games. No nights off. No plays off. That's hard to do. It is really hard to do 80, you know, 100 times in one season. That's tough, or even 40 or 50 times. Because as we saw last year, one lax game is all it takes, you know. So uh, these guys are learning. They're going to continue to learn and grow. There's, of course, going to be some big games. Uh, coming up down the road uh, for the Cats. so. Um, but I, I like where they are. Uh, the biggest question mark I had going into the season was interior defense. Uh, Scal showed a little bit of more toughness last night uh, with the three or four blocks that he had. Poitras, Alex Poitras, who is, is, is my dude, has been my dude since 2013. Here he is, back-to-back doubles. He's finally – looking like he's getting back up to speed. Uh, there were some plays against Duke that, you know, I was saying to myself, okay, old Alex would have finished above the rim. Well, these last couple of games, he's finishing those plays. You know, he's getting the ball in traffic and going up with authority. He, he, he's taking that contact, and he's rebounding at a high level. So uh, a lot, there's a lot of good things to see. You know, people are going to point out the negative free throws will be an issue. Uh, but there's still a lot a lot of different things that they're still doing. Uh, Charles Matthews looked great last night. Uh, he had, I think, seven or eight rebounds, uh, which I think is huge. When you look at what Briscoe does on the glass and what Matthews, when you've got rebounding guards like that, that's, that's fantastic. You can start that break a whole lot quicker. You don't necessarily need that outlet pass. So there's 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 some things that you can take away and say, okay, you know, come February, this, this team's really going to be clicking. Definitely, definitely. And we'll talk more about that on the other side. We'll catch us a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about uh, a little more in-depth about you tweeting about AP's baptism. Touched on it just a minute ago. Um, the Bulls. And, and Golden State sustaining it, talking about all that. Uh, we'll catch us a quick break, and on the other side, we'll catch that. 
Golden um, Indiana is getting all they want from UNLV right now. About six, seven minutes left. They're down seven. So uh, might touch on that as well. But you listen to Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network and BlockTalkRadio.com. We'll be back in about three or four minutes. Stay with us. Yeah, you can't buy happiness. I mean, that made me happy for a little while. <laughs> but once you fall in love, it's a Now that I've found that, the world seems a lot better. Because I can't get enough of BlogTalkRadio.com, Benny Hardy, Terry Brown, talking UK football, UK basketball, where the team is at right now. Not as much panic about it, some may panic about, just because it's not a blowout for the full 40 minutes. It's all part of that molding process of getting guys adapted working the new guys in uh, as they learn how to play college basketball, how to bring it. Like you said, not fake hustling. All of that is, is 
going on as we speak. Eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. If you want to give us a call or tweet us at Cast Talk Wednesday, T Brown underscore eighty at Vinny Hardy. All ways to get to us. Um, but like you said, you saw a lot of promising stuff from your guy, and you've been a portrait guy from the jump, kind of like I was was on the Tyler Ewers train, you know, writing about him before he came to, to campus. Uh, your boy, AP, is is kind of showing signs of, of, of addition our baptisms like we've come, become accustomed to seeing. Yeah, and again, for those people that uh, that don't understand where that came from, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything. Uh, but my my dad, my my late father, my you know my great role model, uh, we would watch basketball together, and he would talk about uh, how you could dunk on a man so hard, you could make him change religion, you could take his soul, and you can make him come to your way of thinking. So that's where the baptism started, and uh, when 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 Alex is up in the air and coming down as we saw against Duke where he got his tooth caught in the uh, net, which happens to me a lot of times, uh, when, when he is, is finishing uh, those plays, it's, it, it's, it's baptisms. That happened to you last night, right? Yeah, I played last night, and uh, my daughters always ask, uh, did you did – you, uh, 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 did you dunk? And I said, ah, oh, maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want to, you know, just take it easy on them. Don't, you know, because if you do all that, play, and then you be looking for a game on two sets. you gotta, you got to scale it back in order to have a game for them. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I stay low to the ground these days. <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff, man. And um, now, did your dad play a lot, or did he did he take you out and, and beat you for as long as he could? You know, when you were growing up. No, uh, because my dad he was forty when I was born, so it was a little bit of an age gap. So he didn't take me, but I had an older brother. My older brother uh, was an all state basketball player way back when, and and he would he would take me out he was he was six foot five and he would uh he would dog me out pretty good uh we would go to <laughs> shawnee park here uh in town and and i wrote a, a piece about about my dad and my brother that that really kind of fostered my love of basketball uh some of the best life lessons i learned were on the basketball court uh we went to shawnee park and 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 that is an it's an urban it is in the west in the louisville it is it is the Rucker Park, if you will, uh, of our area. And I was born and raised in the suburbs, so I'm used to oh. playing basketball uh, indoors uh, on a, on the hardwood uh, with with uniforms and referees and all this kind of stuff. Oh, so I was boy. used to that kind of basketball. So uh, one summer I must have been eight or nine. Uh, my brother picks me up and says, oh, we're going to go play some basketball. So where are we going to go play basketball? What gym? He said, what gym? So <laughs> back back in those days, uh, Shawnee Park, of course, you had you had your, your main showcase park where all the – you'd have L players come and all the high school 
uh, guys would come play, but you had other parks where the kids would play. And uh, I played, and I realized no blood, no foul. That was that was the way it worked. You you, you, you can't call you know your weak fouls. And uh, I got hit pretty good across the face, you know, nose bloody a little bit. And I went up to my brother. I said, "Hey, you know, this, this is too rough." And he he basically, and I will clean this up as I recount this story. He said, "You need to man up and go handle your business." And 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 you know that was it, it wasn't like he was uh, it wasn't abusive or anything like that, but it was hey, sometimes you you you've got to go out and you've got to you got to hold your own. Yeah. And that was a good life lesson for me, and that's uh, really why I love basketball. On top of the other sports, there's an ebb and a flow to it, and. Basketball, you you've got to play both ways. You, you're playing offense, you're playing defense, and there's, there's that just change of uh, the action is up and down, and that's what I love about it. And and you know this, or anybody knows, if you played with some guys for a while and you just know what they like to do, and they know where you like to, what you like to do, and you don't even have to talk. You just know if I do this, Vinny's rolling that way. That's that, and, and to me, that is just fantastic. It's not even like you've got to call out plays. You just know, and um, that that's that's why basketball is my is my favorite sport. Speaking of ebbing and flowing, like you just talked about, the Golden State Warriors got a nice ebb and flow, as they just made history. NBA history starting out defending their title 16 and 0 winning their first 16 games uh my my Rockets did that they still they won 15 to start the season and a team back in the 40s I had it so I don't have it now uh but go to say the Clips that last night winning their 16th game uh, at the expense of your Lakers but they you know like I was tweeting with a lady last night, they, they pretty much made everybody look silly. So, it's, I mean, the Lakers got issues, but Golden State's making everybody, you know, look look pretty bad, you know. Two points uh, about that. Um, number one, like I alluded to and talked about with the, the Bulls during that 95-96 campaign, the – Warriors and Steph Curry, who is playing at an unbelievably high level right now, uh, he's got to be your your number one best player on the planet right now. They heard from the time that they won the championship that people were already saying they won't do it again. They lucked out by not playing the Spurs. Uh, LeBron James was... Uh, you know, the, the Cavs were injured in the finals. Uh, what are they going to do now? The, the Kevin Durant is coming back. The, the West will will eat them up again and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and they were number one, uh, I believe, at least top five, offensive and defensive efficiency last year. They won, uh, I think if you throw in the playoffs, that's a top five all-time total wins. Uh 
so it wasn't a fluke season. It wasn't a strike-shortened season or anything like that. But they've had to hear about that from the time they got the Larry O'Brien trophy. And in my mind, it looks as if Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and those guys are coming out locked and loaded and and saying, okay, we were flukes last year, here we go. You know, they may not get to the Bulls 72 wins. Again, it's a, it's a long marathon, and you don't know with injuries and that kind of thing. Uh, but right now, it, it, if I had to put money on it, I'd put some money on it just because of uh, – and even when they were tied with other teams, you know, 12-0, 13-0 to start the season, they're winning a lot of games by double digits, which doesn't sound like a lot because we're kind of used to college basketball, a lot of us. But the NBA, that's that's a rarity to have that many double-digit wins, you know, in that short amount of time. And most of the games I've seen, they haven't even been close, except for the Clippers game uh, where Golden State spotted the boys and they came back and win. And the Clippers are just a dumpster fire, but that's another soapbox moment. But <laughs> Golden State looks looks legit. The second point about last night is my dude, uh, Kobe Bean Bryant, oh. uh, one for 14, and uh, this 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 is the last. This has got to be the last roundup. Um, yeah, I tweeted out earlier today. My three favorite athletes of all time. Uh, number one, obviously Jerry Rice. Number two, Magic Johnson. Uh, number three, uh, Kobe Bryant. And, you know, I've had to watch all three of those guys kind of, you know, very rarely do you get the Jim Brown or the Barry Sanders or even the John Elway where you leave on top, you kind of leave, uh, you know, with, with, with a little something. That's rarely the case with athletes because that fire that makes them elite athletes is also the same fire that keeps them out there too long. And we're, we, we've seen that with the injuries that Kobe has sustained the last couple of years with the seasons cut short. It's, it's just not there. It's, it's, it, it, it's gone. And it, there's not that slow kind of erosion of abilities. It's it's one day you wake up almost literally and it's just gone. So my hope is that this is, this will be the last year uh, for Kobe. It, it's he's got nothing left to prove. He's going to the Hall of Fame. You know he has etched his legacy in the NBA. Um, but it, it's it's time. It it, it really is. Yeah, I mean there was you know at some air balls. He shot one that got stuck between the rim and the backboard. It looks like I'm not gonna speak for you, but you know I don't get to play as much as I used to. I'm not saying I was elite if I was playing on a regular basis, but I mean you know you go out. Know you're pretty decent, you know, out there to pick up game. Um, but let's say 
you know, there's been months where I haven't picked up a ball or, you know, you try to go and, and shoot and, and get your – knock as much rust off as you can before you go and start playing pickup again. But I already know it doesn't matter what I do. That those first that first night of playing pickup again after not playing it forever, I already know it's going to be embarrassing. I don't know there's going to be some air ball. There's going to be some, some just timings that's going to be off. When I was younger, when when Jordan came back, he said, my timing's off. I'm like, what are you talking about? Man, you're the best player. Just go out and do what you did before you left. But, you know, now I go out and try to play and I'm rusty and it's, it's ugly. I already know. I mean, it's going to be a mess until I can get back into a little bit of groove or plan and get some of my game back. Kobe looked like that last night. He looked like a dude that hadn't played forever. And was out there just just jumping in, trying to, to to knock some rust off, and it was it was like wow, oh, and I mean it was Twitter was blowing up about it. Uh, I stayed up late because you know Golden State was playing, and it it was just oh, and man, you're you're even going on to say that he's done. You're a you're a Kobe guy, Laker guy. I, I mean, I didn't go that far. I'm not saying he might. Not still show a flash or two, but yeah, it was you know him and Peyton well, Manning right now. That's that was that's some rough stuff right now with this guy. Well, and and the and the thing is, uh, with with Kobe, he could still and and I I believe he could still go out and and give us a thirty point game uh, against the right opponent. Uh, but that's <laughs> fool's gold at this point. It, it's 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 fool's gold. Uh, because you know we are about the same age as Kobe, and uh, it's, it's that bounce back that you that you that you miss. And you factor in he's been playing for twenty years in the NBA, and uh, getting to the finals seven times. Seven times, yes, I think so. Yeah, five titles and seven trips. Yeah. Because they lost '04 and then they lost 2008, so just that is a you can actually say 21 seasons, you know, getting to the finals, you know, with that that's a lot of mileage. And uh, he played a lot of minutes when when Shaq was gone, when Shaq yeah shipped out from LA. Kobe played a lot of minutes for four or five seasons. And I was surprised that he stayed healthy during that stretch, but now it's you just can't you, you just you can't bounce back. Uh, we see it. I would love for him to retire, uh, just like Magic, be a you know only with the Lakers, um, and, and you know kind of ride off into the sunset. That is my selfish uh, thing because it's like uh, I don't want to see him like. Uh, Willie Mays in a New York Mets jersey or uh uh Joe Namath for the Rams. It it, it or even Michael Jordan for the uh for the Wizards. You know, we uh kind of forget that part. You know, I'm not saying that, that would tarnish his legacy, but it would just it just wouldn't feel right. I didn't even feel right with Jerry Rice playing for the Raiders. It just it, it just doesn't look right uh to me. So Selfishly, I hope he kind of says, you know, at some point, maybe around the All Star break, you know, hey, this this is this is the last, this is it, and yeah. and he can kind of get 
those accolades and, and get those uh, because he was uh, he was the dude for a, 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 you know four or five years in the NBA, which is a pretty good run. Uh, yeah. You know, for if you're not Michael Jordan, that's a pretty good run to be the dude for about four or five years. Because uh, we we were starting to see LeBron's on that that downslide now. Uh, because I think those deep playoff runs, they they do it. They they, I think they age you quicker uh, than anything else. Yeah, and you know, in most cases, you're you're drafted to a a bad team. Uh, the Lakers were decent. They were still all right when Kobe got drafted. You know, it wasn't like he had to raise them from the ashes, but. Cleveland was pathetic when LeBron got there, uh, so you gotta you gotta pull the franchise up. That's what you make it do when you come in, and uh, so it's just from then on you you know it's wear and tear your entire career. I mean, it doesn't show itself up for a decade later, but it's it's gradually taking place. Well, and 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 when your game is is. Uh, elevation and, and, and body control, and I would still say that as, as far as players I've seen, Kobe's got the the best body control, especially with that shot where he used to fade out of bounds, you know, on the other side of the backboard. Uh, he could get the the difficult shot. He, he just he just had that control, and and it's just not there. Uh, you know, he 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 just doesn't have it right now. Uh, will it come back? I, I don't know, but I would love to say, hey, this is it. I'm done. I'm, I'm riding off into the sunset. Yeah. And the whole finish your career one team thing, I mean, after, you know, Joe Namath as a chief, Emmett Smith as a cardinal, uh, you know, Jerry Rice, and, you know, for if those three can't finish, where they started, you know, to me, nobody's safe. And so you would like to see Kobe Lake, love the Lakers or hate them. You would like to see him finish, you know, in one jersey, kind of like Derek Jeter did, you know. So it's getting more and more it, rare that this is even going to happen anymore, guys finishing where they start. It, and when you look at it, you know, Kobe and, and Tim Duncan and, and Dwayne Wade, and that's about it. Uh, Dirk in in Dallas. Right. It, it just does it just doesn't happen anymore. And you know, all these people they were talking about uh when Peyton Manning was coming back and the Broncos played the Colts, I'm like, look, I had to watch Joe Montana dissect the forty niners on national T V. <laughs> you can you can survive. You can you know, Jerry came back, played the forty ers caught a couple of touchdowns well over 100 yards receiving. I'm like, I, I can deal. Okay, if if those guys, if I can watch that, you can deal with this. Uh, it, but you, you see that so much in the NFL. Uh, I think the NBA does a better job of 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 taking care of their guys. But there's still no uh, guarantee that you'll still finish. I mean, you look at Carl Malone. Uh, yeah. You know, ring chasing and, and things like that. So, I, I hope that that Kobe's got enough pride to just, 
hey, this is it's 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 time. And speaking of changing uniforms, what about you know Jerry Rice in the Cowboy jersey, Mike Dicker in the Packers sweater on the latest commercials, the McDonald's commercial where they changed up. I, I got to get your thoughts on just the thought of Rice sitting at a table in a, in a Cowboy jersey and hat. Uh, I have not seen this commercial. When I when I when I see that it's coming on, I change the channel because thankfully oh, we've got remote controls. Uh, I don't need to see that. Uh, seeing him in a Raiders jersey was tough enough, uh, and in a Seahawks jersey was tough enough. Uh, I don't need to see Jerry Rice in, in the Cowboys uh, uh, uniform just because. Again, we're dating ourselves, and I don't think people understand like younger people, just how intense those early 1990s matchups were. Because uh, you had your regular season game, and then you had the uh, NFC Championship. And that was during that stretch, you know, where the NFC was running roughshod over the AFC. And I just remember the mindset, whoever won between Dallas and San Francisco was going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, some people kind of talk about New England and Indy that way, but I don't think that those AFC matchups were ever kind of the de facto Super Bowl. Like, more people our age can remember those games than they can the Super Bowls. You know, I remember remember Alvin Harper uh, in an NFC championship game in San Francisco, covered in mud and all that, and just going up over Merton Hanks and, and catching this ball that was just a backbreaker. Um, I, I just remember those games. But to see uh, Jerry in a Dallas jersey, no thank you. I don't need to see that. And my retinas don't need to process that. <laughs> the thing about it, he's wearing double zero. At least go, if you're going to go in, go all the way. Go ahead and put the 80 on and, and do it right, you know, if, it's blue. It's all blue, like the, the blue they used to wear on the road, which I prefer. So uh, let's go ahead and put the 80 on next time. And it's pretty much all I got to say. Uh, I think well, I tweeted you a little thing. link to it, and I guess you probably deleted that. You didn't want to see that. But I, I get it. And if if a cap, if Troy Aikman was out there trying to wear a Niners jersey, I'm sure I'd probably feel the same way. But, you know, fortunately none of my Cowboys have, have uh, been bought for this McDonald's commercial just yet. They're probably, well, Michael, Irvin's probably taping, Michael Irvin's probably taping it as we speak, though. <laughs> and, and, and there you go. But, you know, I'm, I'm still a Jerry fan, you know, with the sticker and everything. That's that's uh, that's my guy. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to give him too much. I just don't need to, to see it. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. Keeping it with the NFL, uh, my Cowboys will face the Carolina Panthers Thursday late afternoon, about 4.30. Uh, Cowboys always play on Thanksgiving. And you got the undefeated Panthers coming in. The, the storyline should be, you know, Carolina's 10-0. That's a storyline enough in itself. Uh, another storyline would be Romo back for his second game as Dallas still thinks they have a shot because the NFC East is just awful. And Dallas at 3-7 and seven is only two games 
out. That storyline is enough for this game. Greg Hardy facing his former team is going to overshadow all of that uh, with all of his, you know, missteps off the field as far as domestic violence is concerned. Um, And I'm trying to get at, I think I texted you the story from the Mount Airy News about all the flat Cam Newton is taking uh, for the dab, for the dance that he did against the Titans. Then this guy's in North Carolina just ripping him for his Bush League antics. Uh, I don't know if you read it or not, but it, it's, I, it's I, insane. I, I, did, I, I read that. I also read about the, the mom that wrote to the, the Charlotte newspaper about his antics. The 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 mom that wrote first, uh, who was, and this is the I, I think the red herring of every argument. What do I say to the kids? What do I say to my kids? That is just a. Anytime somebody says that, I know they're getting ready to say some crap after it. But that is just the weakest argument uh, ever. What do I say to my kids? How do I explain that to my kids? Because uh, being a parent means. You have to have, at some point, you have tough conversations. You know that. Not just about sports, but about life in general. You have to have those uncomfortable conversations. It's part of your job. That being said, if you are taking your child to a football game, a NFL football game, and you're expecting uh, like a fencing match where – uh, guys to say, you know, pardon me, may I tackle you? If you're looking for any kind of decorum on a football field, that's your number one mistake. You're going to see violent collisions. You're going to see big, strong men run into each other. And on top of that, you're going to see gyrations. Every first down, the wide receiver is, is, is gesturing the first down signal. Every sack, every tackle for a loss. Somebody is doing something, whether it's just the defensive back that is, is doing the incomplete side. They're all doing something that you would not ordinarily do walking down the street. We see people dancing, celebrating, and all that. What Cam Newton did, I, I don't see the problem with. It, it, it's a dance. It, it's 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 what happens. And on the same time, you know, uh, Carson Palmer has some words with the, the fans. I believe it was in Seattle. Uh, this is the NFL. It's going to happen. And the, the article that you're talking about, uh, that you sent me, uh, again, this gentleman's talking about what a bad influence is, uh, Cam Newton is and this, that, and the other. And when you look off the field, I don't know if there's a NFL player that does more for kids and for his community than Cam Newton. There's always a shot at him giving a kid a football. Or uh, there was a, I don't even know if it was a make-a-wish kid. Uh, they were at, I think it was training camp, and he gave the kid his shoes and all this. He's always doing these kinds of things. He's not getting into trouble. So you've got these people hitching their wagon to be an anti-Cam Newton, but 
He's what you want your NFL player to be, particularly your quarterback. And if you're going to write stuff about Cam Newton and not write about Greg Hardy, not, not to jump on your Cowboys, but not write about Ray Rice, not write about all these other things, even Johnny Manziel with whatever happened with his girlfriend, you're just doing it just to just to look at me. It, it's, it's not a, a valid argument if you're not saying anything about these more egregious things that NFL players are doing. And this was almost an article I didn't even want to dignify by talking about because that's, that's how ludicrous this guy is. Tom Joyce, Mount Airy News. First of all, Mount Airy is the town that Mayberry was modeled after. He must still be just stuck back then to even, you know, write something like this. Uh, he's got a kind of a <laughs> an Einstein look about him. The hair is messed up. He looks maybe like just too smart for his own good, where he doesn't even have common sense. Uh, you know, he's there in North Carolina, you know, that's the pro franchise of that state. But just, just, there's just so much stuff that you can just just tear apart in this article. It just it makes no sense. Uh, you know, talking about his Bush League behavior, uh, a serious, you know, they're 9-0. And, oh, and you can tell that uh, Newton is irritating because he donned the number one when he entered into the NFL. The fact that he took number one as his number, somehow that's got this guy writing about it and picking that apart. First of all, Warren Moon wore number one. Does that make him, you know, somebody that's, you know, Bush League as well? Uh, yeah. You know, he talks about the Packers, you know, playing the Panthers, and the, the Packers travel well and, and made a lot of noise. They were noisier than the Panthers fans. Carolina jumped all over Green Bay in that game, so the Packers fans didn't have much to cheer about. They made a rally in the second half, but they, they never were, you know, in position to win the game. That makes no sense. And, of course, he referenced the Titans fan, the you know, lady and her daughter, uh, in his article as well. And, you know, the lady told her daughter to look at the cheerleaders. Don't don't watch him look at the cheerleaders. Well, that's no different. I mean, <laughs> I think Dan Levitard said, well, you're going to look at scantily clad women who are spray tans. Yeah, instead of Cam doing his dance. That's, that's what you tell your kid to do. You know, Let me tell you though, oh. as a father of daughters, I don't want my daughter emulating 99% of what NFL cheerleaders do. I would rather <laughs> look at the player, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> I don't want my daughter saying, well, I got to just swing my hips like that. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You're not wearing no shorts yeah. like that. That's nothing. Uh, and right. I think don't usually jump on this bandwagon, but I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. When you look at the flat Cam Newton has taken, and you look at what Joey Bautista did with the whole bat flip kind of thing, yep. and not to generalize, not to stereotype, but African Americans and, and Latin players, it's demonstrative. When I was talking yep. about playing at uh, Shawnee Park, look, if I steal the ball from you, I'm going to tell you about it. If you get yeah. dunked on, I'm telling you, I'm telling your mama, I'm telling everybody about it. 
That's yeah. what I do on my day. When you dunk on somebody, you, you, you baptize him. You take his soul. You let him know you belong to me now. I mean, in so many words. And, and my thing is, in baseball, if you throw a ball 90 miles an hour that's moving, you know, across three dimensions, and someone takes a piece of wood and hits it 400 feet, let him flip the bat. Ain't that big a deal. Yeah. And Cam Newton, who is playing with, I don't know, their fourth or fifth string wide receiver, is having to do more than most of the other quarterbacks in the league, has his team undefeated. If he gets into the end zone, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. And these people that talk about celebrations, they never talk about the soccer celebrations. They never talk about that. When uh, soccer players, when they score goals, it is like they are the man that discovered fire. It is ridiculous how they do. So if you're going to talk about all celebrations, talk about it. I mean, I would be – I would have something to say if if Cam was getting in somebody's face, dancing, pointing, and preening. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with that. But celebrate with your teammates. Touchdowns in the NFL are hard to get. If you get one, celebrate. That uh, that's just the name of the game. Yeah, and. Um. You know, to your point, he, he he references Tom Brady, in you know, as he's wrapping it up in his conclusion. Um, you know, meanwhile, you know, Sunday afternoon, New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady quietly led his team to victory over their nemesis, the New York Giants. Now, if anyone had reason to chest bump or pelvic thrust, it was Brady, since the Giants had robbed him of two Super Bowl victories in recent years. Brady simply hugged the two teammates after the winning drive and exchanged high fives, but somehow did not see a need to rub it in the Giants' faces. That's because, love him or hate him, Brady not only possesses Superman-like skills on the field, but unlike Cam Newton, the intellect, the intellect to know that there's a certain karma with sports in that whatever goes around comes around. Uh, and if Cam doesn't modify his behavior, now he's going to admonish Cam on how to act. He's going to one day find himself lying flat on his back in pain from being blindsided by some linebacker or defensive end in payback mode. And while looking up at the Blue Carolina sky, Nick will also see that linebacker or DN taunting him with chest bumps or whatever. It might be next week or next month, but this will happen. And that's how he ends this, if you want to call it an article. And to and to also against the Titans, Wesley Woodyard and Avery Williamson, your know, former cats were getting upset. And and look, yeah, I love him, but hey, Gordon, like you said, Sony Park, he just went through all eleven of y'all to score. So now he can, you know, if you had stopped him, he wouldn't be dabbing. You had a chance to stop him, and I, you know, I was like, oh, come on, Wes, come on, Avery, come on, y'all, and and they kept coming at him and and getting offended. I was like, Avery, come on, guys. And here's my thing about that. Okay, the dancing, preening, I understand. But trash talking and and making your opponents feel bad, that goes back to the ancient uh, Greeks with the Olympics. The 
every great player, uh, basketball or whatnot, trash talking is part of it. Get talking to your opponent, making your opponent feel bad. That's part of it. There's that highlight, Michael Jordan, uh, I think it was against Charlotte. Uh, the bench was trash talking him, hit his free throw with his eyes closed. That is showing up your opponent. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, uh, Larry Bird, you know, telling, I can't remember who it was now, I'm going to hit the game-winning shot right here over you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That, I mean, but but that is that is what makes sports, that's, that's that thing. If you don't want me to talk trash or to celebrate, keep me from doing it. You know, yeah. sports level, it, it's not little league where everybody's feelings got to be taken care of. This is grown men and even grown women in the WNBA and, and, and soccer and everything playing at the highest level. You know, forget your feelings. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't make you feel good. If you can't stop me when you know what I'm getting ready to do, I'm, I'm going to tell you about it. And, and we see that. I just don't understand the furor over this with all of the issues with uh, going on in the NFL right now. Yeah. And this guy doesn't even have a picture on his Twitter still the egg. And he was, of course, catching flack. Uh, he said, I, somebody says, I wonder how he felt when Rodgers had commercials centered around his celebration. Any articles about that? You know, so, every, you know, the, the people that saw this took him to task. Um, but look, I don't know. If, if Carolina is 2-8 right now, look, they're 10-0. and 0, And you're still going to dig and scratch and claw and, and find something to, to fuss about. If they're 2-8, and eight, you know good and well what's being written. That's in it oh, and yet you're still just just digging to, to find stuff. It, it didn't didn't make any sense. So I mean, well, I had and, to... and Cam, it, he's been through it since he's been in the league. Yeah, uh, he came in number one pick, and then he had a couple of off seasons. He's overrated. Carolina's got to move in this direction, and and right now he is that that franchise, and th- there's what, maybe four or five franchise quarterbacks in the NFL at any given time? You've got Brady, Rodgers, uh, Big Ben, uh, Drew Brees. Uh, you, you, you put Cam Newton in that category? Uh, I would. I mean, he doesn't have that hardware, but he's doing everything for the franchise right now. Yeah, and and <laughs> – Lost his best receiver before the season started. You know, some of these other guys are playing better, but you don't have a, you know, real bona fide, you know, you know, person. You know, Greg Olson is his only legit weapon, and they are still getting it done. Um, so I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, oh. and you know, I kind of I kind of soapbox on that a little bit. Because it just it just made no sense whatsoever. But I'll I'll jump off of that and and move on to college football because Ohio State got beat. Kentucky basketball jumped to number one in the polls. 
and Ohio State had to give it up because in their first real challenge of the year, the first time they played a, a good opponent, they took a loss. We've been saying it all year that, you know, Michigan State and Michigan back-to-back, it's going to be a hard double for them to pull off, especially when they've been kind of struggling, you know, considering most of the whole squad came back. They hadn't just been making teams quit like you thought they would after winning the title last year. First time they play a ranked opponent, and down they go at home is Michigan State, 17-14. So, well, with 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 Ohio State, uh, to me, and I've watched some of the games, they haven't looked great since the first half at Virginia Tech. Yeah. When it looked like they came out and it looked as if, oh, wow, this, this, you know, that first quarter, I was one of the people saying, wow, this is, wow. But since then, it hasn't been great. They they really haven't put a lot of teams away. Uh, I watched them play uh, Illinois a couple of weeks ago, and it's just so you know a lot yeah. of the Ohio State kind of taking uh, offense to people kind of talking about you know the schedule and all this kind of stuff. Well, then you have to put up when you play. You know, when you're at home and you play your first ranked opponent, you have to show up, or we're going to keep talking about your. Uh, your schedule and, and the way you're looking in these close games. Uh, that's just the way it, that's just the way it is. You know, and I understand football, the schedule is a little bit different than basketball, but uh, it would be like if coach Cal, if our non-conference was, we didn't have these marquee games and then you get into a, a, an average at best SEC. Well, okay. What, what have you done against real competition? And in Ohio State, uh, you know, they, they just didn't get it done. Uh, I didn't know if it was going to be kind of like the 0-3 team with Maurice Claret and Craig Krenzlick quarterback where they skated by that season all – I mean, it was close win after close win after close win after close win, you know, on their way to the national championship. And even that game against Miami was, was close. Uh so you didn't know if that was going to happen, but uh, they weren't quite ready for prime time. It doesn't look like. No, definitely not. And uh, after the game, you know, all the frustration boiled over, and you, know, you got guys just saying stuff, whatever they feel, or you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott kind of was the main one, you know, tweeting and talking about you know the coaching and the play calling and. Uh, he said, I'm gone after this year anyway. It's my last home game. So pretty much declaring for the draft prior to the Michigan game, which they played Michigan on the road. And uh, so, you know, then everybody's thinking, well, has Urban Meyer kind of lost control? Or uh, you don't see a kid just come out against a coach like that. Pomani <laughs> Jones on around the horn uh, was like, you know, good well coaches don't take anything with anybody. But yet, Urban Meyer is going to come out and say, we forgave him, we squashed it, you know, with the team we're moving forward. He said, if Ohio State was playing Hawaii Saturday, you know, Goodwill, Ezekiel Elliott is suspended. He said, Urban needs him against Michigan, and that's why nothing happened to him. So, 
thought that was well, yeah, funny it, and probably accurate as well. That 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 no coach is going to uh, teach a lesson that's going to put his own job in jeopardy or or get his seat high. That's not going to happen. And and people and this is where Bomani Jones, uh, for those that follow him on Twitter, uh, he talks about athletes and and people think that. Athletes get extra. Athletes, you know, they they get they get by, and uh, to some extent they do. But they're not the only people. You know, uh, that's just the way. Unfortunately, the world is set up. Is if you are at your business and you're the top salesperson, you get a lot more leeway than the person not meeting his quota. You know, <laughs> if if you're a janitor and you can clean your whole floor plus some. You're getting better than you're going to get treated better than the person that ain't getting the job done. That's just universal. That's the way it works. I mean, I don't think that's a hard concept to to grasp. That uh, you know these coaches and they're only going to be as um, as tough as the the as the player is. Michael Jordan, we know played golf all the time during the playoffs, went to Atlantic City. He could do it. Steve Kerr, when he was a player, probably not. I mean, that's just the, that is the way it goes. You know, Des Bryant, he can yell at people on the sidelines. Why? Because he makes plays. We saw it with Terrell Owens. His antics were fine until he wasn't quite as fast and couldn't jump quite as high, and that he's not worth the headache. That's just the way life is. Athletics aside, that's the way it is. I mean, I don't understand why that's such a hard concept. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that's the case, and we've had to touch on that a little bit as well. Um, On the college note, Nick Diallo from Kansas has been cleared. Everybody been waiting to see what's going to happen with him. Uh, Scal got cleared, of course, sooner and has been in every single game. But it looks like Diallo's going to be able to play next week. So it's finally um, got it resolved from that standpoint. He's going to be playing. Um, And Kansas is playing Vanderbilt tonight. At nine o'clock, so uh, yeah, two watch two that teams one. that are you know, that are on the cat schedule that I definitely want to uh, check out. I think as far yeah. as the SEC, uh, Vanderbilt and uh, LSU are the two teams that I would kind of worry about. The rest of them right now are hot garbage. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if, if if they want to challenge Kentucky, don't lose at home to. Directional schools. I mean, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. And the yeah. funny thing is, they had this SEC coaches roundtable right before the season, and I can't remember all the coaches there. Like four or five of them, and to a person, to a man, they were saying, "This league, it's not just Kentucky. We all blah 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 blah." And then the season starts, and they have some horrible, horrible losses. I mean, yeah. some unexplainable losses. That's not mm-hmm. going to get it done. 
Now, no, I'm no. not saying Kentucky's going to run the table again, but I don't envision this year, next year, that we should have more than two or three conference losses, if that. The yeah, talent gap Michigan. is that wide, but some of these coaches don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's just that simple. So, uh, so Vanderbilt kind of uh, concerns me. Kansas, we'll see. Bill Self, to me, has never been a great – I don't put him on the pedestal that some other people have because he's had a lot of, of, of talent come through. And, yes, they've won a lot of conference championships, and that's remarkable. But at some point, don't you trade conference titles to make it past the second weekend of the NCAA yeah. tournament? I would. Right. I, I mean, that's, that's just me. So um, uh, so that's a game I'm going to try to uh, catch uh, this evening. Yeah. yeah. It comes on at 9. Uh, but, yeah, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Ole Miss, uh, and now LSU's even dropped a couple games as well. Tennessee, but nobody was really expecting them to do well. I think they only lost one, but it's Barnes' first year. Yeah, a lot of these teams are stubbing their toes already. So, uh, yeah, rough stuff. And Indiana did go down to uh, UNLV. They, they lost just a few minutes ago as well. Their second loss of the field. Indiana is interesting situation. Uh, my thoughts and my kind of derision uh, with the Hoosiers is a is a is well known. I'm old enough to remember when the Kentucky Indiana game was one of the biggest games of the year. Uh, particularly Bobby Knight was when he was still there and Rick Pitino. That was a matchup that it was huge. And uh, at that point, I think when we got to school, Indiana led the all-time series. Since then, in the 20 years since, in 20 years because we're old, Indiana's only won four times. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. And I'm going to keep making fun of the Hoosiers as long as they have a shrine to a regular season win over Kentucky in their arena, I will mock them. You're the Indiana Hoosiers of five NCAA titles. That is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I understand you want to celebrate that team that quote-unquote got you back, but even our unforgettables made it to the Elite Eight, okay, you know, and, and, and lost to do an epic game. But they at least made it to the Elite Eight. For Indiana, to, I want them to keep Cream. I, I think that's a good thing for everybody. But when you look at Tom Crean with Dwayne Wade and without, it's it's not a contest. In, in uh, I saw this, uh, a guy I follow on Twitter did it. The 14 seasons without Dwayne Wade, Tom Crean has 12 10 loss seasons and one nine loss season and one seven loss season. That 10, wow. 10 losses, 
Now, and that's 10 losses, and that is what got Tubby kind of run out of town 10 losses. <laughs> but, that is, but that is what he's doing. And I don't uh, think we should play Indiana, not so much because of what happened at the 2012 game and this, that, and the other. Indiana's not very good. It's not a matchup that gets me excited. Like when Kentucky, oh, we got Duke on the schedule. Oh, we're going to Kansas. Oh, we got North Carolina. You know, that those are the games that we, Indiana has just lost it. They haven't been relevant in quite some time. And the one guy that took them to a Final Four, the only one since 87, they ran him out of town in Mike Davis. So, I, you know, I'm going to keep mocking them. It, it, it's fun to do. And as long as they still have that shrine up there to the Christian Watford shot, you, I'm going to mock you. It's just that plain and simple. Yeah, they just hold on to it with death-like grip in their fingers, man. They they just cling to it. Uh, they, I mean, they still I was, there was a contest this summer. What was it? It was what was it this summer? Uh, oh, Christian Watford was live tweeting the game. It was being replayed on the Big Ten Network, and he was live tweeting that game. The replay or not live? Yeah, the replay. I'm I'm pretty sure that was because I was like, this is ridiculous. They have made this game something that is ridiculous. And, and here's my thing. Look, we went through probation and all that. I cannot imagine Kentucky fans putting that much stock in a regular season game over a rival. I don't see that happening. It has become the end-all, be-all. I, I, I just don't see Kentucky fans doing that. But, hey, it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what they feel they need to do, I guess. Oh, yeah, you know, and so, well, and they're ranked this stop. year. Like you, you, you said they're not that yeah. good. I mean, they're they're ranked. I mean, top fifteen right now, and they're gonna drop now. They lost their big second game um, just a few minutes ago, but they got some reason to be optimistic. More so than they have in the the past several years. And, and, and I, I think it has a, a lot to do with, you know, they've had some off-the-court issues there in Indiana uh, with some players. But I, I think they're just dropping too many games that they should not drop. I mean, that's the – their recruiting, I think, is, is fairly decent. Uh, Crane is getting some guys to come, but they're, they're just not gelling uh, on the court. For whatever reason, they're not getting uh, – I don't think they're getting their dollars, their money's worth out of, of what's going on there in, in Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. Like I said, they they have reason to be optimistic. Now it's early. It might be full goal, the ranking and all that, and come Big Ten play, you know, they might be irritated at Tom Crean again. We'll see in a few weeks, but, you know, Great wins are great wins, but wow, you, you savor them and enjoy them, reflect to them, but just to keep it 
plastered to your forehead like they're doing. <laughs> just a little bit odd. We're just saying, y'all. It, 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 the, the way they are uh, hanging on to it is just, I, I, I don't know. But they finally have stopped talking about how Cal is scared to, and Kentucky is scared to play them uh, <laughs> because of that one game. Never mind meeting them in the tournament and then in their season that year. Yeah, that right. game they never talk about. They never talk about that game. It's mm-hmm. always Watford shot. And, you know, and for my money, that's what made 2012 so sweet was ending the Hoosier season and ending the Cardinal season on the way to the championship. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Even though I'm on the record, I hate playing Louisville in the tournament, and we won both games. Really, <laughs> my heart can't right. take it. This to me, it is. Look, there are, I think, five hundred and something Division One basketball teams. I will take a loss to any of them in the tournament, except for Louisville. Except for Louisville, yeah. I, yeah. It, it it is no fun watching those games. For me, even though we win, and in 2012 I kind of knew we would win, but it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Yeah, and I don't know if I get to that point. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm okay. I mean, all right, face. I want to face them every single year or, or be in the same side of the bracket as them every single year. I did. You know, say I think I even tweeted it out. I would have rather taken another fifty-point loss to Kansas, and that be in a title game, than lose to Louisville in in the semifinal. I mean, just just let us be Louisville. And I don't care if we get run off the floor against Kansas, like we did you know, twenty-five years ago. That one fifty to ninety-five game, they could beat us by fifty-five in the title game. But we'd be moving to get there, and that's that's all that was <laughs> would have mattered to me. Now, uh, and 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 this is kind of taking that and, and going looking at the football game this this weekend. A lot of Louisville fans are under the impression that their football program is far superior than the Kentucky program, and they've got the four straight wins and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think the gap is as wide as a lot of them have what they believe. Uh, I think talent-wise, things are equaling out. That is my belief. And uh, a lot of folks are are saying, you know, Petrino uh, at Louisville against Kentucky, automatic. My counter-argument is if Rick Petrino and the Louisville basketball team can win one game against Cal, we can win one game in football. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, they, I don't know how they can think the gap hasn't closed. <clears throat> you know, they they lost a lot to the NFL. Uh, they are one game over five hundred. They are trying to beat Kentucky to go to a better bowl. So they, you know, it's you know, it's six and five. Kentucky's five and six. And so yeah, I don't, you know, that's, I don't know, that's just a little well, fan being 
Louisville, but you know. And and I I wrote about this uh, kind of in my my rundown of the. Uh, well, this is a separate article. I'm sorry that I was saying that I think the Cats will win. Uh, Louisville is finally understanding that now that they are in a football conference. Okay, the Big East was nothing but basketball. Now that they're in a football conference, not only do they have to play uh, Jameis Winston and the Florida State Seminoles that one year and Clemson being number one this year, but going to NC State, Virginia Tech, uh, going to Pittsburgh, those teams have some football history. And those wins at those venues are a little harder to come by than playing Rutgers. And I think they're finally finding that out, that the ACC may not have a lot of marquee names, but they've got some really solid programs. And the days of scoring 70 points and and, and amassing all these yards, those days may be over since they're not playing. The the competition is different. And, And like we've said about the SEC, kind of every conference you have that stretch where it's just brutal. You've got, you know, Clemson and North Carolina. You've got all these teams right there that you've got to play that are very good teams, and it's just tough. You you, you get beat up. It's one thing to have one or two games on your schedule to you really have to play for. It's another thing when you have six, seven, eight very, very good teams, solid teams on your schedule. It's just a different mindset. Yeah, exactly. And Trino never been known as a, a great recruiter, you know, great offensive guy. You know, they always, you know, execute fairly well and can pick apart defenses. But the, the talent isn't what it was last year, and he's not the type to just go out and, and amass a, a big-time class. So it's hard to even process why they think they haven't slipped when they're sitting there at six and five. But, you know, it is what it is, and and we'll see Saturday. Um, Let's catch our breath one last time. We'll talk more Kentucky, Louisville football, a little more college football to get to as well before we close out the show and whatever else comes to our mind. I hope you're enjoying the show. Catch off with Vinny and Terry on this Wednesday evening uh, on the blog talk. Radio.com and the Brown and Hardy Radio Network. We'll be right back.
minutes of Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, alongside Terry Brown, Vinny Hardy here. Talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Had a bunch of fun like we always do. We got tons of sports coming this weekend. Uh, a lot of college sports, as always, Thursday and Friday. Uh, NFL as well. But this past Saturday, we'll get back to KUVL to finish it out, get our last little closing thoughts. But this past weekend, you had two coaches, CB, that coached their final games at home. Had two various different reasons that they coached their final games. Talking about Gary Pinkle at Missouri, Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech. Pinkle, uh, for health reasons, is going to resign at the end of the season. You have lymphoma. Frank Beamer is going to retire. Uh, we'll just going to call it a career at Virginia Tech. But both teams were underdogs. Both teams ended up coming up short. You know, Missouri lost to Tennessee. Virginia Tech fell to North Carolina. Uh, but the SEC is going to look different. You do the Spurrier already leaving. Uh, now Pico will leave at the end of the year. Les Miles is in flux. And, and Frank Beamer, who put them on the map, you know, Virginia Tech football, because growing up I had no idea that, that Bruce Smith had gone to Virginia Tech until Frank Beamer had had them rolling at Virginia Tech, and then you saw Bruce Smith on the sidelines. I'm like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, so, you know, as far as that goes, you know, he – Mike Vick, Frank Beamer, uh, beating Miami back when they were all at the Big East. You know, uh, you know that's kind of what got them on the map. Going toe to toe with Florida State in, I think, the national championship game. You know, so for a stretch yeah. there, Virginia Tech was very, very prominent uh, for a good little run. So both of those guys are, are coming to the end of their coaching careers, and they've done it quite well for a long time. Yeah, uh, Kyle Tucker, who writes for the Courier Journal, he came from uh, the Virginia Tech area and covered uh, Frank Beamer for a number of years, and he has uh, been very poetic in, in uh, what Frank Beamer has accomplished at Virginia Tech. And you know, the question is, what kind of success will they have going forward? Is that a job where they can? You know, plug someone in and continue with that success. That's a that's a question mark. Um, the same way for Pinkle at Missouri. Uh, I don't think many people would have thought when Missouri joined the SEC that they would, you know, have back to back SEC East championships, but they did. And you can say, oh, you know, Florida was down, Tennessee wasn't Tennessee, but still, uh, that's a that's a big deal. That's a that's a that's a big deal. So it's going to be uh, with so many jobs opening. USC will be looking for a coach. Uh, there's going to be some some movement as there always is off season. But but who do those programs bring in? That especially Virginia Tech that has the name recognition, but is so closely associated with Beamer Ball. And, and the way he coached special teams and defense, you know, who's going to be that good fit for them? And, and also who's going to keep Missouri, keep that momentum 
that Pinkle had established uh, in Columbia. Um, you know, it, it would be, you know, when Kentucky, when we were looking for a coach, you know, you, you, you can almost X out, you know, the, the top candidates. You have to kind of find a diamond in the rough, if you will, uh, and bring them in. So uh, those, those are going to be some, some choices that I'm glad I don't have to make, <laughs> to be honest with you. Exactly, exactly, and um, well, I had a thought on, had a little thought on both of these guys, but I just, I think I went on soapbox. One of the times I think you had had to leave early, but both of these guys are, like I said, careers are ending for different reasons. Um. I still, and I, I, I went on a little soapbox about Steve Spurrier because, you know, Pinkle, for health reasons, could resign. He's, it's not, like, life-threatening, but he's, he's really got a real legitimate something to be to be concerned about. Uh, as much as we love Steve Spurrier, I, I said it, I think, when, when you were on the air, he could have stuck it out at South Carolina and then finished it out just like these guys are, I thought. You know, instead of just waiting six games in, oh, taking a bunch of losses, I'm out. Uh, sure, that got the ball rolling on the search and all this, and you got an interim guy named, and he's auditioning and, you know, so on and so forth. But I still think he could have stuck around, took his four and eight or whatever it's going to be, and then at the end of game 12, just like Beamer and Pinkle, he could have been called and you know say, "Hey, I'm, I'm out. My time is done." Uh, just like Gary Pinkle and Frank Beamer are doing. Uh, I, I'm like I said, I love the old ball coach, but I, I still kind of had I had to quibble with him about that. He can do what he wants, but I, I <laughs> but I still didn't think that was cool. Like, wait for six weeks. Take you lost to Clemson. And Hank, they lost to the Citadel last weekend, and then ride off into the sunset. Well, Bomani Jones, uh, when this happened on uh, Highly Questionable with Dan Levitard, said this: uh, Steve Spurrier quit. I mean, yeah. because he's a good quote, because we like him and all this kind of stuff, he quit. And nope. like I said, because we like him, he's not getting. He, he's not going to get called out on it, but yeah. When you look when you look at what coaches, particularly football coaches, demand of the players, you've got to be all in. You've got to give everything. Blah blah blah. He quit in the middle of the season, and it wasn't a health issue. It was I'm tired of doing this. Well, that's yeah. no. I mean that's. <laughs> that's just, that, no, you, that's usually not the way things go. But we like Steve Spurrier. He's he's got jabs uh, that he throws at at uh, you know different teams and this kind of stuff. And he got a pass on that one. Yeah, and even at Washington, you know, he was there for two years. But he finished out both of those two years. He went twelve and twenty up there. He finished out. Both years, Trino, people still talk about him and the way it ended with the Falcons. Nobody likes Petrino 
So, you know, that's that's never going to go away. That's always going to be one of the first things you think of Well, prior to the quote-unquote wreck with the mistress, the motorcycle wreck, before you think about that, the stuff with the way he left the Falcons. Uh, but like you said, everybody likes Spurrier. He's funny. He's witty. He's got these, you know, the one-liners and taking shots. He got a pass on all of that. And at the beginning of the season, you mentioned the SEC basketball roundtable. SEC Network had a couple of days where they had like six or seven coaches from, you know, two different sessions, a little coaches roundtable. Uh, Spurrier was up there with Coach Dukes and Brett Bielema and, and all those guys and Kevin Sunland. And Spurrier kept saying, if he said it once, he said it three or four times, you know, how tough the league is. And he said, you know, quote, well, and, and all of us, all of us can't win. You know, we, you know, we, we all, all of us can't win. Well, you happen to be the one that wasn't winning this year. You were kind of getting your brain beat in, and you know, he he didn't he didn't want to deal with that for six more weeks. So halfway through the season, he bailed, like you said. Yeah, and and that's fine. You know, do do you, as the kids say. But I just would have liked to have seen. Somebody say, you know what? He didn't retire. He didn't. He quit. That's what this was. Yeah. If Carolina yeah. had been six to zero at the time, I don't think he. I don't think he quit. Exactly. They were two and four. He was gone. <laughs> That's right. They were you four know, and two. He would. And they didn't. He didn't quit uh, when he had uh, Clowney on campus. You know, <laughs> and Ellington on campus. When he had some players, he still had that fire. And, yeah. and that's and that's the thing, you know. It would be like, and I know Michelle said he she's not listening tonight. You know, it's like Billy Gillespie just saying, you know what, I'm done with this. Well, no, you can't. That's not the way this operates. Yeah. Exactly. And speaking of coaching, again, move over to the SEC West, Baton Rouge, and Les Miles is just getting. Hung out to dry, strung along, whatever you want to call it. Uh, somebody tweeted out that it's shameful because there's not been any any word of public support for him. They were seven and zero, now they're seven and three. Lost to Alabama and Ole Miss and Arkansas, I believe. And you uh, thought he was going to get fired, you know, last weekend or right after the game Saturday, and now they're going to evaluate him at the end of the season. Um, Got another tough game this coming weekend. Uh, should have had up who they play, but you know, basically this is just because he can't beat Alabama. As good as they are, Saban and company for the most part year in and year out are a little bit better, and and they're getting tired of it. If Louisville had this same approach, Rick Pitino would have been gone a long time ago. If you're just solely on how you do against your rival. <laughs> Rick would have been gone. I, and and here is my thought on that, or just on the Rick Pitino piece. If somehow they had not won the 2013 title, I think the pressure would have been ratcheted up a couple of notches. Uh, because they can still say whatever. You know, whatever else, it's still just won one national titles, you know, one apiece. So there's still that. With Les Miles, his problem is he followed Nick Saban, 
and now Nick Saban is a couple of states over and, and has his number. Because if you look at any other measure, it, it's insane to think you would get rid of uh, you get rid of less miles. He, he's 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 performed admirably, and and really historically, he's he's done very well for an LSU coach. Uh, I saw this argument uh, when someone was talking about um, um, Georgia's coach, and it'll come to me, Mark Rick. And yeah, yeah. the response was, you're, you're, you're Georgia. What year-in, year-out birthright, you're, you're Georgia. You're not Alabama. It is not your kind of birthright to be this. What do, you, what do you think you are? And I think that when, when, when Billy Gillespie had to go, even though he'd only been here two years and – his record wasn't that great, that or that bad. It was kind of you know, most people understood at Kentucky that won't get it done. And forty and twenty-seven, yeah. That that's that's not going to get it done here. Right. So you can understand that. But if you were at, I don't Vanderbilt. You know, uh, Kevin Stallings has had some lean years in Vanderbilt. He's had some good ones. He's had some lean years too, but you have to say, you know what? We're Vanderbilt. We're going to take some lean years to have some good ones. You know, he's competitive somewhat against Kentucky. He's all right. You have to understand who you are, because what could end up happening is what ended up at Nebraska. Frank Solich followed up Tom Osborne, was winning nine, ten games a year. Stumbled, you know, a couple of games, you know, missed the conference title. They sent him packing, and they've never been Nebraska ever again. You know, they've been ranked, but they've never been that Nebraska. Uh, right. I just think you have to ride out some of those lean years. That is my point of view. And I will even – I know, you know, Georgia is in Alabama, but I will even – go and say that I can maybe see Georgia fans maybe being a little irritated because you and I always joke Georgia's going to Georgia because they do underachieve. You know, you are, you know, Georgia, all of the talent there in Atlanta and being able to recruit like they can, you know, maybe they should have had another SEC title since 2002 since March Brick's been there. Uh, well, and yeah. when you look at LSU and Georgia, you look at LSU and Georgia side by side. I mean, uh, Les Miles did win a title in '07. I mean, it was two like two loss team, but they won the national championship. You, you know, LSU really should be like, man, come on. I mean, Alabama is Alabama. The LSU should be like, look, we are doing better than Georgia before they can look to go run a guy out of town. Uh, Georgia could maybe have done a little more. And, you know, I like Mark Rick. And, and he's, you know, winning eight, nine games a year. They probably should have won another SEC East title here or there and haven't done it. Uh, but LSU, really, I mean, come on now. You know, they're they're doing better than Georgia. They're just second only to Alabama. 
and that just kills them, but it's still a pretty good place to be. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's the problem. And I think if it wasn't Nick Saban, I, I think there wouldn't be as much pressure. But with it being their old coach kind of beating their brains in, I think there's a pride thing as well. Because, uh, you know, when a coach leaves, you kind of say, oh, we can, you know, we can, we are who we are. We don't need you to, we don't need you to win. And, you know, yeah. even though he left on his own, he's coming back and he's beating their brains in. It would be, I mean, you know, think about it. If 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 Patino had gone to Louisville, think about if he was seven and one. If he was seven and one against Kentucky with right, four Final right. Fours in this stretch, think about that. Because we, you know, Kentucky fans would be thinking, "Hey, we're Kentucky," and here's Patino beating our brains in. Yeah. That would that would cause a lot of. Uh, upset face, <laughs> you know, I think if it, if it was reversed. Uh, so Definitely. it's all about your mindset and kind of where you are or where you think you are uh, as a program. And I think that is, is what's really bothering a lot of the uh, folks down in the bayou is it's, it's Nick Saban. They can't get over, you know, uh, they, can't, they can't, you know, beat Saban. You know, they beat him one year in the regular season, then in the championship he comes back and, and I mean, he, he beats their brakes off in the championship game. Uh, so we'll see. And then, you know, Les Miles, he's going to be okay. You know, right. uh, he's going to be uh, fine. He will end up somewhere because he is a good coach. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next place he goes he has the same, if not more, success. Uh, because he doesn't have to play Alabama every year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was doing good at Oklahoma State. Yeah, Oklahoma State before he, you know, which was the reason he got the LSU job to begin with. But prior to Nick Saban, which we were still grown, you know, early 20s, mid-20s when he went to LSU, before that, I don't remember LSU's coach. Uh, I think maybe uh, Jerry, Jerry Denardo was down there. Yeah, but what was he doing? Nothing. So, I mean, <laughs> LSU has well, kind of been down low for a long time. And, and for a while there, we were pretty even uh, playing LSU. Because I remember there were some games we were we were beating them. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the give-me game that it became under Saban. You know, and even Saban, yeah. you know, had to have the bluegrass miracle at one point. Kentucky won down there in Baton Rouge, ninety-seven. I know my man George Massey uh, was on the team that won down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, they came on ESPN Classic a few months ago, and uh, you know, Kentucky went down there and pulled out the win. So yeah. Uh, you know, the LSU has it. I mean, in their own mind, they are LSU. And you got, you know, they always show that Billy Cannon run in 1959 against Ole Miss. He won the Heisman. But there was a quite a little gap in between spurts of prominence for LSU. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is uh, for some of these programs, you know, folks don't like to remember those lean times. 
And there there just are times where you're not where you should be. Uh, that's just the way it works. Even Kentucky basketball, we have our times where we're yeah. not near the top where we think we should be. That's right. So, in conclusion, heading back to UK U of L, now our rivalry game at the end of the season, just like everybody else. Uh, you were there in the box Saturday. I'll be there this coming Saturday and can't wait. How are you feeling about the chances against the Cardinals? Talked about Louisville kind of slipping down. Kentucky continuing to try to climb up. Got to try to put together second half of the season. Uh, Got to try to get to a bowl, which would, would be wonderful for the fan base, psyche, the coaching staff, the extra practice, the whole nine. How are you feeling when you just boil it down to what you think will happen Saturday? Uh, I'm going to say catch by a field goal. Lost by Ford last year in Louisville. Jumped on them early out there, 13 to nothing. Um, but they don't have Devontae Parker to, to be that game breaker uh, this year. And he was he was just unguardable last year. Uh, I know yeah. players have changed and all that kind of stuff, but for for my money, I'm I'm just going with the Cats at home. I think they can establish the run, uh, and because Louisville, they don't know who their quarterback is going to be, and I just think that's an issue. I, I just I do. Yeah, um, you like to see. Like to hope that Kentucky can. Which last year they played Louisville after a bye. They were getting worn down in the second half of last year, and you know taking it on the ten, just like this year. Had a bye before Louisville, and difference was, you know, night and day. The team that played against Louisville, as opposed to those teams that were scuffling down the stretch. That's not the case this year, but you still just want to think that they can rally and put together a strong uh, strong game against Louisville. I did a piece on CameronMillsRadio.com uh, about Corey Johnson, uh, you know, Mr. Poop himself. And, I mean, the dude has brought it all year long. He was suspended for the first game, but, you know, on that D-line, you know, he's making tackles and making plays. You were there for that interception last week, which, I mean, you know, a man his size, they're DBs and we think it do a tip drill and get a pick like that. Uh, I like to think he would have a strong game. Uh, as, as bad as it was in that five-game losing streak, you just you hope with all you got that they can just pull this one out against Louisville Saturday. Uh, I'll, I'll and, say and, and pull it out as well. Yeah, yeah and, I'll pull and I it out. I'll say it yeah, I can't go down the roster and say where we're going to be. But I, I just feel that they're going to find a way to win. I, I call it whatever. I, I feel that way. That's just me. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm blue to the bone and wearing my blue glasses. I think that the Cats will find a way to to win. Yeah, that's that's a good place to leave it. Twelve uh, o'clock Saturday, we will know. I will look for Bobby in the box, Freddie Maggard, and that's right. 
some cookies and some ice cream, and I, I can't wait to get there early and uh, get there. I'm going to get there real early, try to have some breakfast with some friends, and then get out there about 10 or so and, and get all that lined out and uh, just have a yeah, ball get, like get you've been there. doing up there, man. Yeah, get there early. Uh, I actually I got there so early I ate, and then I got another meal at halftime. So, <laughs> hey, if, I, if I'm up there, I'm enjoying it, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So I know you'll have a blast. The 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 box, uh, the press box has been renovated. The stadium is is, is very very nice. You're gonna have uh, fun. Now you got to keep it going. Uh, the cats are two and one uh, when I'm there this year because uh, they beat Missouri and they beat uh, Charlotte and there was a close loss to Auburn. So you got to be the good luck charm and bring home uh, the victory with uh, uh, against Louisville. It's a burden that I'm going to do my best to bear. So uh, I'm going to quietly be rooting, and, and, you know, if I have to take Freddie or whatever we got to do, we'll, we'll try our best up there. <laughs> Hopefully it's not close, uh, too close, <laughs> and you'll see uh, Freddie start pacing around the press box. <laughs> that, that, that's still one of my highlights of the season. So, But you'll have fun. Uh, I think the Cats are going to win. Uh, and, and bring home the Governor's Cup. Hey, sounds good. Sounds good. And, you know, we've all been expected fathers, so we know about that pacing and, and that, those ancient moments. So, yeah, that will, that will come natural. Uh, you had to pace. You had to be anxious. So is Freddie. So have I. So if we need to go there, we'll go there. Yeah, hopefully the Governor's Cup will, will be in Lexington. And then next Wednesday we'll be talking about uh, – First bowl game in quite some time. So, uh, fun stuff, exciting stuff. Have a good extended weekend, TB. You and all the you do the same. All the fam. And uh, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate you hopping on and doing this show every week. And we will hop off until next Wednesday where you will hear us all again. Same time, same channel. Vinny and Terry, Cats Talk Wednesday. Brandon Hart Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Take care, be safe, we'll see y'all next week.